You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. As I was praying and as I was studying this week, I felt like the Lord was kind of leading me back into another avenue of what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about can I do it? So we're we're just going to do part two of can I do it? question that I was asking last week personally, the question that I was presenting to both of you, can we do it together? Can we finish this Christian race on earth strong? Paul talked about running this race, and I want to finish the race strong. I wrote this down, this question. Can we move into glory, whether by the rapture of Jesus coming back and getting us or us passing away and breathing our last breath here on earth and opening our eyes in heaven, can we move on to glory being the most in love and the closest that we've ever been to God? A prayer that I have in my heart, in my personal time, is God, I want to fall more in love with you. I want to get closer to you the older I get. I don't want to be further away from you and wondering on my deathbed what happened. I want to be more in love with you as I get closer. How? How can we do it? Last week, we discussed growing in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. We talked about in 2 Peter, the last scripture, where Peter, as he's on his deathbed, as he's getting close to dying, to being sacrificed, to being a martyr for the Christian faith, for his friend, In his Savior Jesus, he writes his last thing, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Keep growing in that, no matter where you're at in life, no matter how young, no matter how old, if we're going to finish this race strong that Paul was talking about and Peter is encouraging us, it's to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. Well, how? How can I and how can you grow If we aren't also doing what I believe is a second thing that the Lord was showing me. Now remember what we're about to talk about. The Lord was speaking to me all this week. And so if he's speaking to me and kind of touching some sensitive points in my life, then I just want to share that with you so the Lord can do that to you as well. Because what is, I believe, the second step that goes hand in hand with growing? Oh boy, here we go. The word is obedience. Oh, golly. Hate that word, don't we? I believe that God is going to reveal through his Holy Spirit on how to grow. And it's our job, I believe, to listen and more importantly, obey what he tells us to do. How can I grow if I'm not listening to what God is telling me to do? And we see that growing aspect all throughout the New Testament, talking about pruning and bearing fruit. And if there's a dead limb, we've got to cast that off. There's some things that we've got to, get, we've got to throw away. We've got to stop doing. There's some things that we've got to start doing. But in order for us to be healthy, in order for us to grow, if we're staying in the idea of a healthy tree, then we've got to do what God is telling us to do. If I'm being honest, as I've been in Christianity for a long time, as I've been in ministry for a long time, whatever God tells you to do is not necessarily going to be easy and or fun specifically to your flesh. It'll be fun to your spirit man because your spirit man will grow and you'll get closer to God and you'll have a relationship with him. 
But usually, obedience to God is frustration with your flesh. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. We're going to talk about Abraham a little bit. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, look at this. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called, and we'll look at that, him being called in a minute, to go out of the place which he would receive out receive as an inheritance. And he went out, look at this, not knowing where he was going. Boy, that sounds fun to the flesh. I love going out and not knowing where I'm going. Woo, amen. Happy Labor Day. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, anybody who's a parent, we have joyfully spoken probably this scripture over our children the most. And for you children that are in here today, children, obey your parents specifically in the Lord, for this is right. As a parent, I can tell you, I haven't always gotten it right. I haven't always done correctly in raising my kids. Sometimes I've let my anger get a little bit ahead of me in discipline. Can you say amen to that, parents, or is it just me that gets... Sometimes kids are a little frustrating, aren't they? When they don't go to bed, when they're almost four and they still won't poop in the potty, they keep getting in your bed in the middle of the night. These are just stories I've heard of other parents. It's not personal. Where are my kids? Bring them back down. Children, obey your parents. Noah, can y'all hear me up there? In the Lord, for this is right. So it's important that children obey our parents, but it's also important that we as parents teach our children in the Lord so that it can be right. It's not wrong to obey your parents. It's the right thing to do. Now, we as parents, we get on our high horse and we beat this into our children. Children, obey me. Children, obey me. Children, obey me. But in the church world, we get so excited, and we talk about it all the time, that God is our Father, right? We talk about it in Romans, where God is our Abba Father. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. We get so excited about talking about how God is our Father, and this scripture right here applies to you, not just your eight-year-old and your three-year-old children. This is God speaking to you today. Children, obey your father through the Lord, for it is right. It's right for you to obey God, even if you don't agree with it, even if you don't like it. Children, obey your father, for it's right. It's right to serve God. It's right to obey God. There's something wrong in the church, that we are standing on this high horse yelling at the world that the world needs to obey God and quit sinning and quit doing wrong when people inside the church don't obey this scripture and obey their father. I believe that's called hypocrisy. Happy Labor Day. Happy birthday, Mr. Jim. Remember, I had to chew on this all week, so I'm excited to give it to you as well. Children, obey 
your father for it's right. We're yelling at the world. You need to obey God and stop sinning. And God is in here today telling you to forgive your spouse. Love your children. Give up that pain. Give up that depression. Pick up love. Pick up the Bible and read it. No, 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 no. It's easier to go tell them you've got to obey this God. This fiery, holy, angry God. When you won't obey your father here in church. Let's move on from that. Here we go. Let us look at the direction. We looked in Hebrews chapter 11 that, that by faith Abraham obeyed. Well, let's see what Abraham obeyed. In Genesis chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 1, 2, and 3, but we're going to start in verse 1. God speaks to Abram. He's not even Abraham yet. Imagine that. Imagine God tells you when you're in your 70s, 80s, 90s to change your name. Hey, you're no longer Abram, you're Abraham. And then Abram had to obey and start calling himself Abraham and introducing himself as Abraham. Who are you? Aren't you Abram? No, well, God told me to change my name and it's Abraham. So I just have to obey him. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country. Get out from your family and get out from your father's house. That's pretty direct. He keeps narrowing it down. In case there's any loopholes that you think you can get, get out of the country, get out of your family, and leave your daddy's house, and look at this, to a land that I will show you. If we're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of God, then we have to obey what God is going to tell us to do. And God is going to tell us, in one way, to stop or change some things. Stop or change some things. Get out of your country. Stop living here. Don't keep living in your father's house. You've got to leave. Because what I have for you cannot be made, cannot be accessed, cannot be obtained if you stay in your old ways. You've got to get out. You've got to stop doing some things. Jesus is in the middle of his ministry, and he's walking through a crowd. And they don't even give this man a name. He's just called the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, verses 21. And this rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to be saved? And he says, well, you know, you've got to follow all the commandments. And then this rich young ruler, he gets on his high horse, and he says, I've done it all. And the weird thing is, Jesus doesn't correct him. But this is what Jesus says. Then Jesus, looking at him, look at this. He's about to tell him to do something. He wants this rich young ruler to grow. He wants this rich young ruler to have a new knowledge of who he is. He wants this rich young ruler to experience him. So he's going to tell him to do something. And if he obeys, who knows what the other side is. And all these things he's about to tell the rich young ruler, he starts it with looking at him. It says he loved him. In other versions, it says that he has compassion on him. And he says to him, you, one thing you lack. Let's be honest. 
I want Jesus to say that about me. I'd be happy if I heard that right there. If Jesus told me, you only lack one thing in your life. If I was in that crowd right now, Jesus would say, you, there's only 15 things you lack. And there's probably five others that I don't want to embarrass you in front of all these people. But he says, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven and come, take up your cross and follow me. Now, remember, I said when God tells you to do something and he wants you to obey, it's probably not going to sit well with your flesh. But look at the picture that Jesus paints. Sell all your possessions. Give everything away. Give it to the poor and then come and follow me. I've seen different kind of uh, conversations in regards to this that it's believed in some uh, theological conversations that this guy could have been the replacement for Judas. This was Jesus' plan to replace Judas as a disciple. Don't know if that's true, false, or whatever, but think about the journey that this guy could have gone on to become one of the disciples of Jesus. Give everything away. Give it to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven Come, take up your cross and follow me. Look at verse 22. But he was sad at this word. And he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, we sitting on the other side of the Bible, we can laugh at this guy. We can say, what an idiot. I would have given away everything. I would have given away my car and my house, my kids. And I would have followed Jesus from Williston to Barnwell to Aiken to Georgia, we would have just gone and traveled. No, you wouldn't have. You would have sat there struggling the same way you're struggling now when God tells you, hey, why don't you pray, I don't know, once a week? Why don't you talk to me once a week? Oh, God, I'm so busy. I just got so much going on. I just don't have time. Why don't you forgive that person? I know they hurt you, but why don't you give it to me? I can't, I can't forgive them. And he just like some of you or those that are in the empty chairs that are listening by Facebook went away sorrowful, sad. Think about that. Hearing a word from God. How many of us want to hear a word from God? I want to hear God speak to me. I want to hear him speak to me in the morning. I want to hear him speak to me at night. I just want to hear God's voice all the time. And you finally hear a word from God and the rich young ruler, when he hears it, he walks away sad and sorrowful for he had great possessions. I can only imagine from that point forward the torment that he had. Every time he got more money, he tried to buy more things, he tried to cover up this thing, this empty void of what would have happened if I would obey God. He walked away sad, sorrowful. Recently, my office, I had to go to Dallas earlier in August, and we went to uh, this conference. And my office is on this, like, personality kick. We're taking all of these tests right now. And so we, we took this personality test while we were at the, the conference to find out. Uh, I don't even know what the test was. I'm a artesian, I believe. I was like, I've never been called an artist in my life, but whatever. Send that in. Let them know uh, if they need an artist uh, for that specific test. 
We've also just gotten a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Uh, 1.0 uh, was not good enough, so now we're at 2.0. I'm in the middle of reading that. I've got to take that test uh, after Labor Day. We've done Strength Finders 2.0 as well. If you've been in the office, you've probably taken that before. We've done the DISC test, D-I-S-C. And there's just these tests that we've been taking over and over and over again to figure out who you are what your personality is, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses, and then you get this picture back. You get this breakdown back of your personality, of your strengths, of your weaknesses, and it tells you in some of these formats, you need to start doing this in the company, or your strengths in the company is to be left alone. That's basically what mine says. (laughs) That's why I work from home. You need need, uh, to not be involved or lead meetings, or you need to lead more meetings, or you need to be in front of people, or you need to be away from people. And it tells me the strengths, but it also tells me some weaknesses of what I need to stop in the office. And it's good because it's helping me grow as a coworker in this company. You need to stop doing some things. You might write emails way too long. You're too descriptive in your emails because of your specific personality type. Or you don't write enough in the emails, which makes us have to ask you over and over and over again, 14 emails in, what do you mean and what do you want? I love those guys. But it tells me my strengths, but it also tells me my weaknesses. And it tells me what I need to stop doing so that I can grow in the company. You see, the Bible is your strength finder. The Bible is your personality test. The Word of God is your emotional intelligence to help point out your strengths, to help point out your weaknesses. All throughout Paul's writings, he tells us the fruit of the Spirit, what you should be growing in is love and joy and peace and patience and all those things. And he says, what you should stop doing is murdering. That's pretty cool. You should just not murder people. You should stop lying. You should stop cheating. You should just be a good human and love other people. It's the Word of God, either the written Word or the Holy Spirit speaking to us and through us to help us stop doing some things. Second thing that we see in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, is to start some things. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. You've got to stop living in your parents' house. You've got to stop living in your country. But he's also telling Abram to do something. You've got to go. You've got to pack up your things and you've got to leave. You've got to start moving. He tells him to go. He tells him to travel. He tells him to move to a new place that God would show him, which means that Abram also now as he's moving, as he's starting some things, he has to start looking. He has to start looking around. Is this the place you want me to go, God? Well, look how nice this mountain range is. Look how nice this valley is. Look at where this water is. I could feed my sheep. I could feed my animals. Look at the grass over here. Is this the place? No, no, he goes on this journey with God. He stops doing some things, and then he starts moving with God. 
He starts leaving the place. He starts looking with his eyes. He starts doing some things. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. The writer of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus. That's a good place to start looking. You're going to look anywhere. Look at Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. How can we finish strong? How can I fall more in love with God? How can I have a stronger relationship with God? Is to know that Jesus is the author and he's the finisher. He started the book and he'll also finish my book if I stay with him. Who look for the joy that was set before him? Look at this. He endured the cross. Cross isn't fun. His flesh was not excited to go to the cross, to go to the whipping post. But he endured it, despising the shame. And look at this. Because he went to the cross, his life changed after that. Sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise God. Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes, Philippians chapter 2 verse 8. And being found in the appearance as a man, Jesus, he humbled himself. He stopped doing some things. He left heaven. He left. He was God. He was man. But he became man. Started doing some things. And look at this. He became obedient. How obedient? Even to the point of death. Gross. Even the death of the cross. I don't think I put verse 9 in there by accident. But verse 9 says, Therefore, because he became obedient to God, because he denied his flesh, because he stopped doing some things and started doing some other things, verse 9 says, therefore God also highly exalted and given him a name which is above every name. The blessing that happens after obedience. If I want to get better at baking, if I want to get better at making these cookies that we've been selling, then I have to be in the kitchen and I have to pick up the utensils and start making the cookies. If I want to be better at golf, I've got to find time to play golf. If I want to be better at golf, I've got to go and pick up the clubs. I've got to put something in my hand. I've got to start swinging the clubs just like this. This is how you win. For my birthday, we went to Aiken. No, we went to Augusta. We ended up at Putt-Putt. I do too, but my wife beat me. She got two holes in ones. And that was the deciding factor. I had to stop playing for a second before I started throwing my clubs. Little friendly, lovely husband and wife competition. But if I want to get better at golf... I've got to pick up the clubs. If I want to get better at writing, I've got to pick up the pen and start writing. Behind the scenes, in my own personal time, as of right now, I have two unwritten books that I start writing and then I leave months at a time, pick back up. And I'm like, what was I even writing? What was I even talking about? What is, what is, what is this that I'm doing? But I feel like the Lord 
has inspired me and helped me with some of my sermons and some of the things that he's shown me over the years of me being in ministry, that I have some books that I can write. And I'm being obedient, even if no one reads them and they stay on my laptop forever, I'm going to complete those books. But I can't complete them unless I pick up the pen and start writing. I know the summer's over and the pool is winding down, but if I want to get a six-pack, eight-pack, or 12-pack for next summer, I've got to start doing some push-ups, start doing some crunches. I know they have the the tuxedo t-shirt and the ab t-shirt that I could wear to the pool, but it's not going to, nobody's going to believe that that's my body. I've got to start doing some things. God is telling you to start some things. You're going to have to pick something up and obey. He's going to tell you to put down some things. He's going to tell you to pick up some things to help you grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. And we'll finish with this. Genesis chapter 12, we looked at verse 1. We're going to look at the second half of the blessing. 2 and 3, Genesis 12, 2 and 3. He says, leave, 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 and I'll show you. And then Jesus, and then the Lord tells Abram this. I will, this is God speaking, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Look at the beauty of the simple thing that God is telling them to obey. Now, it's a big ask. Especially in those times, wasn't the interstate, there wasn't the internet, they didn't have cars that they could just hop on over to another state, they couldn't call their family, couldn't FaceTime their family. Your family was your protection back then. So it's a very big ask of God to say, hey, I want you to leave your dad's house, I want you to leave the city or area that you're in, and you know what, I want you to even leave the country completely. But if you do that, if you're obedient, you lay some things down, you pick some things up, what I believe, number three, will happen like it did in Abram's life, but also in ours, blessing and a future follow obedience. Blessing and a future follows obedience. God says, I'll bless you. If we could go back to verse two real quick, it says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Coming out of the church in Texas, this scripture right here, we used to always say, I am blessed, and I will be a blessing. I am blessed, and I will be a blessing. The blessing doesn't just stop with me. I don't just damn it up for it to stay with me and my family. No, no, no. I am blessed. Because God is on my side. I am blessed because I believe in Jesus. I am blessed because the Holy Spirit is inside of me, leading me and guiding me into all truth. I am blessed because I am his son, and he loves and takes care of his son. But because of that, I'm also a blessing. Just like he told Abram at the very beginning, you are blessed, but you're also going to be a blessing to those around you, which helps in your obedience. Knowing that you're blessed makes it easier to let blessing flow through you. If you don't know you're blessed, then all of a sudden you put up a wall. I I can't give. I can't share that with anyone. I can't. If you don't know that you're saved, 
it's hard for you to tell somebody about being saved. No, no, I'm blessed with the salvation of God in my life. I'm blessed that God has forgiven me of all of my sins, past, present, and future, so I can be a blessing to someone and tell them, I know what you're going through, and God wants to help you. He wants to pull you out of the miry clay. He wants to pull you out of those thorn bushes. He wants to pull you out of hell and out of darkness, and he wants to bring you into light. Because I have been blessed, I want to be a blessing to you. And it helps in your growing and it helps in your obedience when you know that you're blessed. You know the position and the identity that you stand in, in right standing with God. That's what righteousness is, right standing with God. Then it's easier for me to be a blessing to other people. It's easier for me to love people. It's easier for me to forgive people. It's easier for me to comfort people and help people. Look at Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19. The very first book of Isaiah, God speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and he says from the Lord, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. I can't obey for you. I can't do that. I can encourage you. I encourage you to walk out this faith, fight the, good, fight the good fight of faith. I can encourage you, hey, quit sinning. That's not going to help you. It's just going to bring destruction to you. I can encourage you, hey, read your Bible. There's some really good stuff in there. I can encourage you, hey, pray. God wants to talk to you. I can encourage you via, via text. We see each other walking around. We see here, each other here at church. But I can't be in your house you read your Bible today? Hello, how'd you get in here? I'm just checking in. I can't sit in the back of the car while you're driving to work. Just wave to that person, not just with one finger, the whole hand, the whole hand. Or lift up both hands and worship while you're driving. Use your knee, though. Don't text and drive. You have to be willing. You have to be obedient. You see, so many people in this Christian faith, in this walk with God, they get mad at God. God, where are you? What are you doing? Why haven't you helped me? And God, being so loving and generous, is sitting up there and he's saying, I told you what to do a year ago. I told you to quit that job. I told you to to leave your parents' house. I, I told you to stop doing that. I told you to start doing something. You remember the, the sermon And I kept Jeremiah up all night, Saturday night, writing. That was for you. And he could sleep if you just listen and obey. (laughs) If you were just willing and obedient. Do you remember when when the pastor texted you this? Do you remember when you met that person in the aisle and they said something to you? Remember when you got that email or that text message? So many people, they get mad at God and God's saying, I've already tried to help you. Help me, help you, help me, help you. But God is so gracious that he'll come back around and say, hey, why don't you put that down? Why don't you cast your burden upon me? Why don't you let me carry that? Quit running in that same sin cycle over and over and over again. It's not helping you. It's not getting you anywhere. You're still frustrated. You're still tired. You're still angry. You're still worn out. It's not helping. Just stop doing it over and over and over again. No, I want to do it. I'm going to do it my way. 
No, no, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Children, obey your parents, for it's right. It's right to obey what God is saying. God told you what to do. You just need to listen to his spoken word, through his Holy Spirit, or through the pastor preaching. Lord, hear it now. Or read his written word. And as we finish, I just want to highlight one more thing. I'll wrap it up in a nice little bow for you to take home to. If you want to have a successful walk with God, and you want to finish strong, then the more you obey, and the more you grow, and the more you obey, and the more you grow, then the more blessed and a better future you'll have here on earth. The more you obey, the more you listen to what God is telling you to start or stop, then the more you'll grow. The more you grow, the better you'll feel. Eat beans at every meal. Isn't that how it goes? Genesis chapter 5, 21, 22, 23, 24, and we'll finish with this. Enoch lived 65 years, 65, and had a baby. They were animals back then, crazy. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah, verse 22. And he begot Methuselah. Enoch decided, I'm going to walk with God for 300 years. And then he decided to have more sons and daughters. That's crazy. They had nothing to do back then. Verse 23, so all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And then verse 24, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Such an interesting story of this man, Enoch. He has a child, specifically Methuselah. Then he decides that he's going to start walking with God. I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to start listening to God. I'm going to let some things go. I'm going to pick some things up. And then let's see what my life looks like. After Methuselah, it says he walks with God for 300 years. 300 years. And then he has more babies. But something interesting happens when he decides to walk with God. It says that Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Pastor Eric's dad, Pastor John, used to always kind of share the story that when he made the decision to walk with God, Enoch woke up one morning and he set his feet on the ground and he heard one, two, and then he heard three, four because God was right there with him. And when he walked out, as he closed the door, he was walking on the sands wherever he was. There was one, two footprints, three, four right next to him as he walked with God. As he was walking through the sand and through the beach and up into the hills and the valleys and up into the mountains and he's walking on the snow field mountains, he sees one, two, he looks over to his right, three, four footsteps with him. And as he's walking and walking and walking with God, all of a sudden he's walking in the stars and he's right in heaven, right next to God and he turns back around and he just sees this little itty bitty speck. He says, God, it's getting so late. And my house is way over there. And God just says, you've been walking with me so close and for so long. You're closer to my house than you are to yours. Why don't you just stay with me? He just walked with God. And he walked with God so close that he didn't even experience death. That's a pretty good blessing and a pretty good future if I'm, <laughs> if I'm looking at it. It seems like everybody else in the Bible except for... Come on, Bible scholars. Who's the other one that didn't die 
It's a prophet, Elijah. Elisha, Elijah, as I was going through my mind. Thank you. That's why she's my secretary. Um, Only two people that didn't die. Even Jesus died, then he rose from the dead. And he's living this life. He's walking with God. He's obeying God. He's following God to where he's so close that he just goes to heaven. What a beautiful example. But what's beautiful is like what Abram, what God told Abram is that your descendants will also have an encounter with God as well. Because the next person that's mentioned in those scriptures is his son, Methuselah. And for you Bible scholars, you know that Methuselah is the oldest living human being ever recorded. Methuselah lived almost a thousand years, 946, something like that. Is it a coincidence that his father never tasted death, that his son watched his dad walk with God and obey God, lay some things down, pick some things up, and just watched his dad disappear as he walked with God? That the very next generation is the longest living human ever. Methuselah walks with God and lives almost a thousand years. And then Methuselah has a son, and he calls him Lamech, I believe, is the right translation. And then what's interesting is Lamech has a son, and his son is Noah. And it isn't interesting that when Noah shows up, the entire world is going crazy. It says that every thought that they have is evil. And God says, I'm going to destroy the world. But his friend, Enoch, was standing right next to him in heaven said, hey, can you save my family? What about Noah? Can you go look at Noah? Because Enoch teaches Methuselah. Methuselah teaches Lamech. Lamech teaches Noah that if you just obey God, he's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. It might not be easy. Hey, build an ark. It's never rained. Build a boat so it can float forever. And the rain's going to destroy the whole earth. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. What do you, that makes no sense. But here's Noah, hammer and nails, hammer and nails. Okay, God, I'll obey you. I'm tired. I'm worn out. Oh, there's a sprinkle. Oh, come on. Oh, here comes all the animals. All of them? Even roaches? Why didn't he just crush the two roaches? All he had to do was this and this, and it would have been done. They would have never come into my life. I know. Me and Noah are going to have a talk when we get to heaven. Just two roaches. That's all you had to do. But this generation of just one man deciding, I'm going to walk with God, I'm going to obey God, and I'm going to let my son see that. And his son grasps a hold of it, and then his son, and then his son, and then God saves. The only person in the whole world that he saves is Enoch's great-grandson. Children, obey your parents, for this is right. It's right. It's okay to obey our father. And lastly, Hebrews 11:8. by faith Abraham obeyed. When he was called out, he doesn't talk about when God records the history of Abram in Hebrews chapter 11, he doesn't talk about the negative things that he had to do to move forward. What he records is the future that he has. He called him to go out to the place 
which he would receive as an inheritance. And as he went out, not knowing where he was going, what God writes and remembers is not the negative things that he was letting go because God forgets and forgives those things. But what he records is the future that he brought Abram and what he's bringing you into. Can we do it? I believe we can. If we're willing and obedient, we will taste the fruit of the land. Amen. Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Y'all, please listen and obey that so we don't have to talk about this next week again. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're a good God. We thank you that you're a good father. We thank you that you love us. And as a loving father, you bring some correction sometimes, telling us to put it down. Why? I know each and every one of us have children who ask that question. Why, 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 why should I listen? Why should I obey? And you, God, just as much as us as parents, just trust me. Just trust me. I feel like even now that's what the Holy Spirit is wanting me to speak into your lives. Because you might be asking those same questions. Why should I forgive them? Why should I give this up? Because I believe the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you through this message of some things that you need to work on, releasing and picking up. And even now you're asking why, 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 why? And God's just saying right now, just trust me. Just trust me and obey. Just trust me and obey. Just trust me and obey and see how much your life doesn't change, how much joy doesn't show up in your life, how much the, the frustration and the anger and the angst that's been going on in your household doesn't start changing and shifting and being released. Just simple obedience. Even now, I feel like the Lord is just kind of showing me some of y'all's houses, and there's just a dark cloud over it. And there's just one or two things that God wants to tell you to change, to do, whatever. And I just see like the, that black cloud being sucked up into the AC vent, just pulled out of your house. That darkness that's there, that heaviness that's there, that frustrations that's there. There's just a couple things that the Lord wants you to tweak and change. And if you obey, you stop doing, you start... You, it just does a completely different dynamic in your household. It can happen today. It can start today. It can happen tomorrow. This week can be the best week in your house, at your job, in your car, wherever. It can change today just with a couple tweaks that the Holy Spirit, who's leading you and guiding you today into all truth, just showing you a couple of things. Holy Spirit, even now, speak to your people. Holy Spirit, reveal to them right now a couple of things couple of things, Father. Just reveal to them what they need to do. Just some things that they can obey this week that can change their life, that they can have an encounter with you. I thank you, Father, that next week we're going to hear stories. We're going to hear about miracle signs and wonders of obedience, of simple obedience, of the blessing that shows up in their lives. I quit doing this. I started doing this. God told me to do this. God told me to talk to that person. And the change and the shift is coming in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that they have the mind of Christ. I thank you that they're not conformed to this world, but they're being transformed by the renewing of their mind. Father, I thank you that we as your children, today we're going to start obeying you because we know that it's right. It's not wrong to obey God. It's wrong to disobey God. It's right to obey you.
And we're going to do that by faith today. Father, I pray a blessing over them. They are blessed and they will be a blessing everywhere they go because the favor of God surrounds them like a shield. They have favor with God and man and everything they put their hands to prospers. On earth, they are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. They have the power and the authority of Jesus' name to call down heaven into their earthly situation right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that their body is healed because their body is the temple of the Most High God, and the Holy Spirit resides in each and every one of them. I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. I thank you for the fruit of the Spirit that is evident in each and every one of our lives. Father, I thank you that we are the salt and light of the earth. We refuse to be hidden. We will go out and we will shine this light. We will diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere we go. And Father, this church and this congregation is choosing to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ because we choose to hear what you say and obey your word and see the blessings and the benefits flow through our lives because of that obedience starting today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you so much. Go forth, be fruitful, and multiply. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.